morning, Kansas City. It is 5 a.m. It is still February. You got us for one more. This is it. This is the final ride. This is the last episode. I'm just getting it out of the system. It's been fun, but the Run It Back Tour ends today for myself, Dusty Likens, and my good friend, Pete Sweeney. Pete Sweeney, how you doing this morning? Good morning, Dusty. It's a good day to be a Kansas Cityan. I think it's still a good day to be a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Two Super Bowls in a row. Got to go and watch your team try to compete for a championship. They were able to get the one, the three AFC title games in a row, and now they will be building on that. The Run It Back Tour really... Now, the namesake of the show, the Run It Back Playoff show, it continues on, right? The goal is, is still in mind, and, and I, I think we learned that. I, I think sometimes when things like this happen, when, I don't know, I, I feel like there was almost an assumption among us that analyze the game and watch the game and, and love to watch the Chiefs that this was always a thing that was going to happen. They were just going to run it back. This is what they said all year and to come up short it's like the the seven stages of denial or whatever you start at denial and then you get a little bit sad you get a little bit mad and then I think eventually you'll you'll get to somewhere with acceptance and we'll play some sound a little bit from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes as they talked about the game and the season on Monday and that was the sense I, I got yesterday with them talking is is they felt like you know they they didn't play like they wanted to, they they did feel like they left it all on the field, and and the goal is still the same, right? And I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I think you can spend time, you know, dwelling, which is fine. I get that people are going to do that. This is a tough loss, but just go have a conversation with somebody who's been a Chiefs fan since nineteen eighty, nineteen ninety, right. two thousand. You know, it's been a it's been a while since. You know, since the Chiefs have been bad, bad, or to a point where it's been, you know, 13-3 and three regular season, yeah. first round of a playoff exit. Like, Patrick Mahomes is 6-2 and two in the playoffs as a starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's been to three consecutive AFC championships. He's been to two consecutive Super Bowls. He's put up MVP-like numbers for three straight years. That's enough proof for people to realize that moving forward, you're in good hands. Now I get it. You can start playing the, well, Aaron Rodgers and, well, Drew Brees. Like, they didn't get to do all of that, and Mm -hmm. there's a reason. Even those guys are great. Those guys are for sure shoe-in Hall of Famers. They weren't Patrick Mahomes. And, yes, you can still be kind of dwelling in the the sadness that Patrick Mahomes lost to Tom Brady and that Tom Brady is the greatest champion that you'll ever see. That might be an unfortunate thing to notice, but – one thing you have to know is that moving forward, no one is going to be better than the quarterback that is currently the quarterback in Kansas City, and that to me should give you enough belief and enough trust that, you know, yeah, it's going to sting for a little bit. You know, it's like getting stung by a wasp. You're yeah. now, you know, you got to rub it. You got to get rid of it. You're going to remember how much it hurts, but this is something that you just have to trust moving forward with the quarterback that you have in the situation that you're currently in that you're going to be set up for success and you can just go look at the lines right now. The favorite for next year's Super Bowl to represent the AFC is the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. And I thought 
Kent Swanson, who you hear on 610 Sports Radio, does a nice job with us at arrowheadpride.com, our lead film and draft analyst. He wrote a nice article yesterday. You can catch it on our website right now. And so the Chiefs fans now understand a different form of pain after Super Bowl 55 loss. And similar to the point you were making, Dusty, with the idea that you've transitioned from the lovable loser in a sense where you really could never make it back to the dance where now that there's an expectation each and every year that you're going to be playing on conference title weekend. And what Tom Brady has done, for example, is tremendously, tremendously impressive. He's 43. Now they're trying to maybe repeat again. Brady's already said that he's going to come back to try to get back there. He's been the 10. And keep in mind, he's lost three of them, two to Eli, one to Nick Foles. When you have a franchise that's in this position and you're able to play in AFC title games and you're able to play in Super Bowls, you are going to be playing the teams that are the best of the best, that are playing the best at the right time. And sometimes the game plan is going to be good and you're going to come up short. We saw that in Tom Brady's career in New England. I don't think this is the last heartbreaking loss Patrick Mahomes has in January and February. Can't really hit on that, and I thought that was good. And I think this is a scenario that you would much rather have than the 30 years you were in pursuit of finding that guy, finding that head coach, finding that team. This is the Chiefs that are contenders, and I think that is a very good thing, and there's a lot to look forward to now each and every fall. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the big keys is that you have not only the entire roster locked up to come back, but you have a lot of coaches that come back, right? Yeah, well, let's get into some news. Again, we are just moments away. We'll play some of the highlights from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes from their Monday wrap-up press conference, but the news today, the Chiefs lose their first position coach for the first time in a while. It's running backs coach Dylan McCullough. McCullough took the job once Eric Bieniemy was promoted to offensive coordinator in 18. McCullough's returning to Indiana where he had been a running backs coach before. He's going to get an associate head coach title. He posted this to Twitter last night. I would like to thank Chiefs fans in the Kansas City area for embracing me and my family the last three years. Andy Reid and the rest of the staff gave me an opportunity to contribute to the rise of a dynasty and grow as a coach. Special shout-out to my running backs over the last three years. The mutual trust, respect, and bond we built will last far beyond the successes we experienced in the football field. Thanks for everything. A lot of these reporters in the NFL have cited Dylan's desire to become a college head coach. This seems more along uh, those lines. One thing I will say about him, and, and we would get Dylan McCullough every once every couple weeks, thoughtful and like thoughtful answers. You don't always get that from every coach and player really would try to give you some insight that maybe you couldn't get from the average bear or someone that would work with these guys every day. Really clear in my mind that he loved his players. They loved playing for him. And so, you know, as you do this and as you cover teams like this, you get, special places for different locations where you happen to know somebody or, or cross paths with them. So this will be fun to watch what he's able to do in Indiana and, and the chiefs will have to replace one of their coaches and it'll be interesting to see which direction they go in. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to know that, you know, there's different 
like leaders on this coaching staff, you know, when it comes to who the, you know, who the quarterback's coach is from that to who the offensive coordinator is because it's all ran by the Andy Reid system. And you have to think that everybody that's on this staff has some sort of connection or some sort of like advantage everywhere else when it comes to this team. Because when you think about it, like all these coaches that come from Andy Reid's coaching tree, like the guy that won coach of the year, uh, Ron Rivera, John Harbaugh, all these guys, they all start in these positions. So you know that what they're doing is something great. So it is something of value to keep an eye on because when this coaching staff gets, you know, demoralized or ends up going somewhere else, it's the next guy up. And I think it's interesting to see, like, a lot of people say, like, Eric Bieniemy's back. What does that do for Kafka? And where right. does he go in this system? Because his name still to this day is going to get brought up. And if Spagnolo does good next year, your defensive, you know, positions change too. But I think another good key element to this team and where they can go forward is that most of the coaching staff, if not all of it, is going to be re-tacked up to be this coaching staff for moving forward. You are losing the running backs coach, which is interesting because that is a point of focus with a young kid trying to become a every down back and a running back that might join the team next year in uh, in uh, Will in Williams, right? And you mentioned that the leadership is back, and that's the thing I think you can hang your hat on. Steve Spagnolo will be returning for what will be his third season. Eric Bieniemy, the news surfaced over the weekend that. His contract was due to run out. This is incredibly rare. It's like the Chiefs just assumed, and we all did, that he would be a head coach right now. And so his contract is apparently up. But reports are trending that Chiefs are going to lock something up. Andy Reid said he's going to keep that in-house. He'll get everything worked out. They're eyeing to take a step back and then to figure it out next week. I find it interesting when you're talking about the personnel and the coaching personnel, and I, I talked about it before, when it came to be enemy, Andy Reid, in, in my opinion, was ready to make Mike Kafka the quarterback's coach. Patrick Mahomes is only quarterback coach since he's been a starter, the next offensive coordinator, and he's ready for that. We, we've seen potential interest in Kafka, and that was confirmed throughout the Super Bowl week leading up to uh, what was the Super Bowl, that there was interest potentially when Peterson was still the head coach of the Eagles and maybe bringing him onto the Eagles. There was interest in, from Seattle. That, to me, is only going to increase as Patrick Mahomes continues to play well, which I, I believe he will continue to do. And so, in my mind, Kafka is ready for that promotion. He already was named, I believe it was pass game coordinator last year. I wonder if there's another another title this year. We did see a couple of years ago, Nagy and Childress were co-offensive coordinators. I wouldn't necessarily rule that out for, for these two guys because – the Chiefs are just in that situation where Kafka is ready. Some of the guys below him seem like they're ready for their promotion, and the enemy is still in that position. Yeah, I just find it interesting that if they do go with the co, like the co job, the co job. Yeah, like then what does that do to the enemy's uh, chances at moving I, forward? I don't, I don't know if it would hurt because hurt them as bad as you'd think, and I know how it looks, right? But. I don't know if it would hurt them as bad as you think, just because I think by now everybody knows on a national stage yeah. what the enemy is about, right? And you know, I it'll be interesting. It's it's not a it's this is one of those problems. It's not a good problem. I mean, your good problem would be if the enemy was able to get a head coach, move on, have some success, and you were able to kind of naturally move your guys up. But that's just an interesting coaching wrinkle to watch in my mind.
just makes it interesting to think that if they did co-offensive coordinator, who would get hired first? Then would you lose both of them? Right. That's like the situation well, I think that adds to it's not a good situation. It's the, a it's a good, bad, good situation to have. The issue that you have, and it 2021, you, you feel great, right? Because all your coaches are coming back for the most part. We just talked about McCullough. After that, now it's becoming a trend where it's like, what happens if the Chiefs have great success, have a 13-14 win team in 2021? Do they lose Spagnolo, Biennemi, and Kafka at the same time? And then you have really the worst case scenario coming out of next year. Again, that's a problem for next year's offseason. Right. We, we will we will get there when when we can, I guess. Well, before we get to next season's offseason, we finish it up this season. This is the Run It Back show. Last one um, until I guess maybe they do it again next year. So either way you want to look at it, Monday, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, they talk to the media. We kind of divide up what they said and what it means moving forward as they try to do it again next year. We try to come back next year. Pete Sweeney, Dusty Lykin, 610 Sports Radio. This is the Run It Back Show. The Run It Back Playoff Show with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Back in, Run It Back Show, 610 Sports Radio. A little bit after 5 o'clock. Can't thank you enough for sticking around. Super Bowl is over. Pete Sweeney and I, this show for us is over after today. Stay warm, stay safe. Right. Couldn't believe all the cars and ditches. <laughs> I, honest, I'm, I honestly not, got man, like Not I did a the, good thing. Well, I, I saw this alert that came through last night that was essentially telling drivers the entire road in Kansas city is just a sheet of ice. So be very careful out there today. It's like, cause I was a little frantic last night. Like I left home or left to head back home right after the, uh, the final boy, when it ends, it ends quick up here for me. I just realized <laughs> this, like this morning, red reaction show done. Uh, last one, last night, run it back show. Last one today. Dusty yeah. Likens gone. I got my final arrowhead pride yeah. show with Bing tomorrow at six. And then, Ugh. You won't be hearing a lot from me for a while either. Yeah, Chiefs, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that. I think I think we'll be around. But, uh, no, I was just kind of frantic last night. Like, there were so many cars in ditches, and I was driving, and I was like, yeah, it sucks. Like, there's a thin glaze of, like, whatever's yeah. on the road. But I was just kind of like, if I just go, like, a proper speed and pay attention, I'll be all right. And then, of course, there's always, like, that one cheese, Richard, that just comes, like, mm. soaring up on, like, your rear, like, in a gigantic truck. And you're like, all right, all right, go ahead, man. Take care, Tom. Um, I just feel like that's probably his name. (laughs) Sorry if your name's Tom out there and you take offense to that. I apologize. But, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting (laughs) that, you know, in Monday's press conference, obviously there was a lot that got addressed and a lot that got asked. Like, I I feel like somebody should have asked if maybe Mahomes had a fresh haircut. The outcome would have been different. But (laughs) I think that you found a lot of stuff interesting when it came to what is the nucleus of this team and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. It's never going to be fun on breakup day. And that's what Monday was. It was via zoom in this weird year that it has been 2020, 2021 Um, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, both speaking to the media. Again, we cut up some of the better clips from it. And and one of the things that I I found interesting was Andy Reid's lessons that he feels the team can take from what was the Super Bowl loss in 55. Yeah. So, um, well, it's tough to get here. I'm proud of the guys. I mean, I mentioned that last night that 
uh, it's not an easy road getting back. That's why most teams don't get back. And then if you do, most teams don't, you know, it's not, it's not always a guaranteed win. Um, they were better than we were yesterday. We've made too many, too many mistakes, whether it was <clears throat> me calling the plays, uh, putting guys in the right position or right down the line as you go. So, um, you make that many mistakes against a good football team and they weren't making as many mistakes and, uh, you're not going to win at this level. So, uh, you gotta, you know, you gotta come into these games. You gotta be sharp. I mean, a lot went against the chiefs. We'll get into penalties and Reed's comments on that momentarily, but at the same time, it, it really did have the feel. I think this game that they just were shell shocked just a, a version of the chiefs. We have not seen in a very, 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 very long time. And there are lessons you can draw from that. Yeah, I think there's many, uh, you know, there'll be many theories on, you know, where the Chiefs' focus was, what maybe caused a riff in the system um, before that Super Bowl. Maybe it was, you know, you hit, you know, the perfect matchup, right? You had a, you hit up against a forefront. Like how many people were worried about Nakamak and Sue in that game? Which, again, he proved his worth when he, that man, that was kind of dirty. Uh, but he is, he's disgusting. He's the, I'm gonna throw he's the dirtiest player in the game. They say that's Ric Flair in, in WWF, right? That, he, that is Sue in, in, in the NFL. I just, yeah, I mean, he just, he makes it easy to hate, uh, in sports. But like, the thing is, is that I think this is just one of those situations where you've now learned what the perfect matchup is against the chiefs. And it is, if you and that and we talked about it, Pete, when they played Cleveland, the one thing we were worried about, we try to warn people back in in the divisional round that if Cleveland can get pressure with their front four and be able to sit back with everybody else, you can stop the Chiefs or you can at least hold them to less than a blow up twenty eight point quarter or a big game and thirty five plus points because then if you can rush those four, it's the obvious. You're giving yourself more. Um, infantry in the secondary, and when you can put two on 87 and two on 10, and one of those guys' purpose is to just run 10 out of bounds, then it makes Patrick Mahomes think, uh-oh, read one's gone, read two's gone, oh, by the way, pressure's coming, and it's the perfect storm to stop this Chiefs offense. So, yes, that's the recipe, because when they lost to the Raiders in week five, that's what the Raiders were able to do. Their defensive line dominated the Chiefs' offensive line, and they were only having to rush four. Also, what went in that game is Derek Carr played the perfect game. And what happened in the Super Bowl, their front four was dominant. There are a bunch of dudes that are going to have a lot of big names, big accolades on their resume. You know the names, Barrett, Sue, Vita Vey, and JPP. Those guys are big-time guys. This is a superstar team in Tampa built to win for one to two years. And their recipe was our four guys that we trust that we put money in will get to your quarterback. And then these guys in the secondary will do their job because they won't have much time to move around. So well, that's what happened against one, the Raiders. And that's what happened against the Bucks. One thing that you mentioned, and, and it's true, there is, there is a plan. And I saw some people tweeting back at me yesterday that were like, well, yeah, all you, all you have to do is have your offensive lineman get hurt. That's their voice. Well, it's yeah. Collectively. Yeah. It, it's more than that. Right, it it's having the personnel, and this is not a plan that every team. I'm not talking about 31 teams could implement. But if you have a front four that doesn't need to blitz to get pressure on Mahomes, and they're talented, if you have a good edge rushers, any offensive line is going to struggle there. And 
right. Like if the Chiefs had had their proper offensive line in there, it would have been a slightly different game. But this defense was playing extremely well. They had a really good plan. You also have to have talent in the secondary, and the Bucks did. And there's probably what I would say maybe another three, four, five teams out there that do it. I don't really put the Raiders in the same category. I think that was more of an every or in any given Sunday type of day. Everything really went right for the Raiders in that win. Toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, I, I think there's only a handful of teams that could pull off that plan. Regardless, Patrick Mahomes was already hitting the film on Monday. I mean, today, as of today, I'm going to do whatever I can to kind of look at the look at the film and, and try to find ways to, to to get better. I mean, obviously, with our offense and the success that we've had, um, uh, when teams see that the defensive plan that he had and how well it worked, they're obviously going to try to do the same thing. And so uh, try to find ways to combat that and, and kind of um, – uh, the evolution of our offense where we're going to have to do better things and be more efficient. Um, and that, that really goes with me and not always looking for the big play, but just finding ways to move the ball down the field. Um, and then just get back after it, man. I mean, you just gotta, you gotta prepare yourself, uh, find ways to better yourself uh, physically, uh, mentally. Um, and then uh, be, I gotta be, I've become a dad. So I gotta, I gotta work on becoming a better dad, even though I haven't even became one yet. I know we look forward in the off season to seeing Mahomes and, and, He's starting to build a family. I think one of the better parts of following the league and loving these players is getting to see them off the field. So that'll be fun to watch. But you hear him already. I mean, if I had just gone through a whole season and it ended like that, I would be taking about a couple weeks away before I looked at any film. But he was right in there, and he wants to start working on next year. And to your point, Dusty, where where you have these teams that are rushing for and trying to take away the big pass away, I think a general idea is I think the Chiefs, maybe could get a little bit better at living in the intermediate and being a little bit more methodical than maybe some of this quick scoring because there is going to be a thought process now that says we can't get beat deep and we got to have this team uh, play us there and hopefully we can we'd score with our – got to have the quarterback as well, as you mentioned. You know, There's a lot that has to go into that, but they're working on it. They're working on it. And I think this is something that, that has let me kind of sit back and, and realize too is that I think when – when we do these types of shows and you, and you go through these runs on this team that you cover in this city, and this team happens to be a 14 and two team playing in a second consecutive Super Bowl with a superstar at quarterback. I think sometimes we get lost in the fact that we forget he's 25 years old. Yeah. And no matter what, his life was different than yours at the age of 25. And that's not the obvious I'm trying to point to, but we sit here and we talk about, quarterbacks are supposed to be hitting their prime around like 28, 29 years old. 30s like that year where it's like, okay, 30-year-old quarterback NFL, if they're talented, that's the the nuts and the guts of the of the career. Mahomes is 25 years old. He's still a kid. And it was kind of interesting to hear him say and kind of humble himself in the press conferences after the Super Bowl loss that he's got to realize that as much as he loves to throw the ball deep and to try to make that big play as much as he possibly can and be that, you know, iconic highlight reel of a player. I don't think that that's how he strives to be in his career, but that's what he looks for because he knows it successfully knows he can do it. But to know that there might be other options around and become that more whole of a quarterback, like that's what you're getting from a 25 year old next soon to be 26 year old quarterback and a guy that's starting to already watch a video on that. So he has almost like a 30 to 31 year old mindset when it comes to the position in the league in a 25 to 26 year old kid's body. So like, that's another reason to give you folks what the future is. Like you have an anomaly 
Right. Like, it's you three years before his prime, technically. Speaking, yeah. And he's unreal. even. And say. he's doing things that guys that by the time they're 28, 29, they're like, okay, so like the first couple of years, I, I kind of figured it out. Now my team is built around me and I want to get involved a little bit more. But this is the things that you saw Brady and Manning and Elway and Marino kind of do. Now, Marino didn't really ever have this success later on in the career. Like somebody, I think Carrington brought this up. Like Dan Marino did everything in like the first four years of his career and then just kind of coasted. Mm-hmm. Whereas that's where his numbers spiked. Patrick Mahomes is already a Hall of Fame quarterback. If you look at his accolades, his records, his numbers, his resume at this point, it's just astonishing for what he is and how old he is. He's already trying to build on this season and get better. And with that, you love to hear what he says when he talks to the media after losing a game on the biggest stage. Right. And I think that's something that they say about Tom Brady now, where you could cut his career in half and you'd have two Hall of Fame careers. And Patrick Mahomes might have a couple of Hall of Fame careers before he's done. And again, he he still is, as you said, Dusty, he's still just getting his feet under him. And he's already got two Super Bowl trips and and the Chiefs have never had a season in which he started in which they didn't get to an AFC title game. That is insane to say, even if we're talking about three years. I mentioned I wanted to play Andy Reid's comments on the penalty sound. The Chiefs had 11 penalties for 120 yards, opposed to the Bucks four for 39. Reid asked about the process of maybe talking to the NFL about that. We have the opportunity to voice our, our gripes um, to, the, to the league, and they do a good job on responding to it. Um, you know, so really for whatever I think or what they think, they, the calls were made. And um, uh, it's obviously, it's a shame that we had that many in that big a game. And, um, you know, that possibly we're that close uh, of a judgment call. Really briefly on this, I think you can live in an area of both. I too, and like I said, I, I've said this before, I, I don't like to blame penalties for a game. I, I didn't think that the first half was fair. I also think if they called it down the middle, the Chiefs are getting beat. I mean, the Bucks to me, were just playing that well. And so, granted, no doubt, frustrating. Who knows how the game goes if maybe that ticky-tack holding call with the Tyron Matthew interception isn't called and some of the other ones with the uncatchable football late in the half with with Brady on the nine yard line. I mean there were there were certainly a couple, but again, I, I think we can all agree that the Bucks were the better team. Yeah, I can't tell you what the game would be, where it would come from motivation, um, where the momentum would have shifted. I know that that was a big call. Um it took the air out of the room that I was in when we watched it, but it is what it is. And still, you can't you still but like yeah. I look at that other potential momentum swing where you get the stop on the one yard line right, and then yeah. suddenly you're like, okay, and then that was a punt, right? And a bad punt. And and so, you know, I just – I don't think there was a scenario on Sunday where the Chiefs were coming out victorious. And you know what? Patrick Mahomes motivate, motivated by, by that. And, and if there's one solace you can take, it's this. Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely motivate you. I mean, if you're if you're, when you're a competitor and you get so close to your ultimate goal um, and then you fall short, I mean, it, it's something that will motivate you for the rest of your career. I mean, uh, it was a – it was a bad feeling in that locker room after the game. Uh, I mean, you don't want to have that feeling again. And so, uh, uh, we, luckily enough, we'll have, we'll have a lot of the same guys back. Um, um, and we'll, we'll obviously add new guys. And and uh, we'll, we'll set set the tone from the beginning of the year, beginning of the offseason, um, that we have to be uh, better. We have to be better than we were this last year in order to, to go out there and win the Super Bowl. Needs and wants. 
That's what it comes down to. Needs and wants. We dive into that after this. Pete Sweeney, Dusty Likens, Run It Back Show. Farewell tour. Next. The Run It Back Playoff Show with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. Run It Back Show, Tuesday morning. 537. If you're driving, be safe. Yep. Don't be one of those guys or gals that are in the ditch. Because those tow trucks are busy, man. That thing's going to sit there. That sucks. I feel sorry for those people because there's a couple cars that I saw leaving last night that are still there. Oh, no. Um, I want to react real quick to that um, to that audio that we just listened to of Patrick Mahomes. With the ultimate motivation. Yeah, because I think that's very, very interesting because I kind of hit on this last night, and then we'll get into um, – off-season position needs and and free agents that maybe we want to keep or maybe we want to go out and pursue as uh, if Pete and I were the general manager of this team, which we're not. Um, um, Pete Pete Veach and, and Dusty Veach. Yeah, respectively. Brett Likens and, and Pete Veach. Um, <laughs> Pete Veach is kind of a nice name. Like, that's a good alter well, ego. Well, it fits with the one syllable each name. Yeah. It's a nice transition. Pete Veach. Um, the thing is, is when you hear that from Patrick Mahomes, the best thing is, is like, what really strikes me, and I, I don't mean to like sound like a humble brag, but like unfortunately I had to cover that Pittsburgh loss and that Titans loss, and I can tell you firsthand, when teams lose games of that significance, like that locker room was crushed. Like Chris Jones, who was normally a very big, sparkly personality, lots of color, lots of you know flair with everything that he comes with, when they lost that Pittsburgh game, I remember just like walking by him and like, you kind of have to ask these guys, like, do you, are you willing to, and they just, he was like, I'm not talking to anybody. And he was just like quiet. And sometimes in life you need to be knocked down and you need to be humbled. If you want to continue to be successful, it's happened to everybody that you can probably think of no matter what aspect, whether it was in like a little league sport, whether it was at a job, whether sure. it was at like a place where you're like, I think I'm going to get this promotion. And then your boss tells you, Hey, here's why you didn't get the promotion because of what you do this way. It stinks. And you're like, wow, that sucks. I have to take a step back. The Chiefs don't do anything that's necessarily terrible, but maybe the Chiefs did things in a way that, you know, next year you see differently. And when you remember Mahomes saying like, yeah, you don't want to feel what we just felt in that locker room. Like you can tell in his voice, you could see that in the demeanor at the press conference, it was one of those things where it's like what we just went through sucked. And we're going to do what we can to make sure we never do it again because we know for a fact that we're probably going to be back in this type of situation and we need to make sure that we have enough, you know, memory and humble mannerisms to know that, like, we don't want to go through that again and we're going to strive to get out of that feeling and not have to go through it again. And that's where you have to kind of trust this team moving forward when it comes to being successful and not being just a flash in the pan, a three-year run. This team is going to be successful because of what they went through in that game, that locker room after Tampa's loss. And like every team, and I think this is something to acknowledge, is – they have needs, and I think for a lot of the season, one of the things we learned in the Super Bowl against the Bucks is that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and by extension, I would say Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, I think really masked a lot of the issues that the Chiefs might have had. I mean, you think about offensive line depth and some of the other positions let's let's get into to that some of the off-season position needs as you try to get back on top here 
And offensive line to me is on the mind of everybody. Here's what Andy Reid had to say about the offensive line yesterday. Listen, I'm not obviously pointing my finger at the at the offensive line. I mean, they we had guys that were moved around a little bit, and and they take great pride in their work and uh, busted their tail. So um, we with the guys that are injured that are potentially coming back or opted out or potentially coming back. Uh, we'll kind of get all that covered here in the next couple days. Um, I don't think the outlook is bleak by any means. Um, we should be, we should be good there. Just, um, and then Brett will obviously keep an eye on that as he does everything and just see how that, how that works. But I'm optimistic, uh, going forward and I'm proud of the guys and the effort that they gave last night. Dusty, I, I think the chiefs stand to take a draft pick when in day one or day two in an offensive lineman, I do find it to be a little overblown and just on top of mind right now, just because I don't think any team plans if they have four guys in mind to be their starters, to not have those four guys, especially the starting two at an all pro level, pro bowl level at the tackle positions. And we'll see about Eric Fisher. We were talking off air about, he might not even be ready, probably won't be ready for the start of the season. So you have to address those tackle positions, but I think with Lucas Niang coming back, I think you have some of those younger guys. Martinez Rankin comes to mind. Yazir Durand comes to mind. I think you have more pieces there than you maybe would think about. Lucas Niang is another one where I still think you can enter the draft. And granted, again, day one or day two, first, second, third round, I think you have to make a move there, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that top move. And I also find linebacker and cornerback for me are needs. I think you can add another edge guy. You can never have enough edge players to be such an important position. Keep feeding that position with young guys. And then this was something that you talked about. The tight end position might be one you start to look at. It's interesting to think about because one thing that we try to do in this profession is, you know, always stay almost like two to three weeks ahead. So, like, know what's going to be coming around March 1st. Right, like no, like when sporting right. events come, like okay, so March is this way, like free agency is going to hit, or you know the guys are going to be in Arizona uh, for spring training or whatever's going to happen. Like you got to that way you can plan around it. Mm-hmm. Well, when it comes to this tight end position, we need to realize that Travis Kelsey is thirty one years old. Right, it sucks to kind of think about like where somebody of his prolific figure and his status is with his team. But the thing is, is that you've got to start thinking that if you want to be one of these teams that is continuously successful and continues this type of plan where you can keep all these types of players around Patrick Mahomes, like we look at what happened with McCole Hardman. Like they drafted McCole Hardman because at the time they didn't know the situation that was going on with Tyreek Hill and they needed the best similar fit, right? So they got McCole Hardman, who was kind of that receiver, slot guy, fast, outrageous speed punt returner, kick returner. When it comes to Travis Kelsey, if you want to have that continued success that Mahomes has with that type of tight end, because it works clearly, obviously, um, you need to draft someone in that position and maybe build them up. And you're not going to tell this guy, hey, you're starting next year. You're probably not even telling that guy you're starting in two years. So you can pick a tight end in a lower draft that maybe needs some polishing, needs some work, and oh, by the way, you're going to learn under Travis Kelsey, who we've talked about as a Hall of Fame tight end, 
one of the best, if not the best tight end to ever do it. So then by the time that Travis Kelsey's 33-34 and the NFL, which is undefeated against age, all of a sudden you've got this understudy and it's like, what are you guys going to do when Travis Kelsey retires? Oh, never mind. They've got his prodigy right here who's next in line and he's got a relationship with Patrick Mahomes and they know the playbook. They know the system going forward. So I think tight end is somewhat not – you don't need to go find the next guy, but you'd like to find a guy where you're like, he's got good hands, he's got good footwork, his speed's definitely decent. We just need to polish him and teach him some moves because Travis Kelsey does things that nobody else does. And if you can somewhat try to replicate that, you're never going to duplicate it, but maybe you can have somewhat of like a future going forward in that regard. Travis, to me, is in Tony territory right? where – you can't imagine Patrick too. You could say about this too. You can't imagine life after Travis at right. this point. And same thing with Patrick, right? I mean, but eventually that's going to happen. I see a move being made with Kelsey, not to replace him, as you were saying in year one, year two, maybe even year three. Don't forget right. Kelsey came up under Anthony Fasano, but let him learn. As you look at the roster, the drop off at tight end is probably aside from quarterback the biggest drop off on the roster i think Dion yelder is for example an interesting piece but imagine if you had law kelsey and then you have yelder who was coming off of ir or nick kaiser that to me is too significant a gap for how important kelsey is on this team so tight end is an interesting position let's play a quick game dusty unrestricted free agents on this team One to keep, one to pursue. We'll start with one to keep. Of the unrestricted free agents on the Kansas City Chiefs, who do you like to keep? So if I'm keeping somebody, we talked about it. Actually, you brought it up a really good point. I'm keeping passing, yo. I believe edge rushers are like bullpen arms. Like, you can never have too many. pumping it, man. They can always have enough, like, where you can run him in, run him out. He's not going to be an expensive uh, guy to keep. He knows the system. He's a Spags type of defender he's a big body that's fast that's what Spags likes that's how he runs his defense and I don't think Passanio would be somebody that would be sought after around the league he's somebody that's familiar with this team he's familiar with this system so I would keep Passanio just because like I said like the analogy you can never have too many edge rushers just like you can never have too many bullpen arms to get you those uh to get you those minutes and eat them up yeah, I I like the Passanio pick. You can't forget about in that regard Taco Charlton and Alex Okafor. Okafor already took a deal to stay with the Chiefs this year, so maybe he'd be willing to do a little team-friendly thing again. Taco Charlton seemed to be coming in to his own before he lost the rest of the season due to injury. And I don't think Charlton wants to go anywhere. He has that relationship with Frank Clark and really, I think, saw the best year of his career here in Kansas City. My pick, though, is Damian Wilson. I like what Wilson has been able to do. Again, you're not going to necessarily be able to afford the market price, but here's a guy who's been in your system now with Spagnolo would be, would be his third year. I think Wilson, Hitchens, and Gay could be your linebacker core of the future, and Wilson, to me, more of the strong side guy with Gay, getting to show that athleticism as your what would be weak side linebacker. All right, one to pursue. Let's... Take Price out of it because Brett Veach, Brant Tillis, Chris Shea, shout out to those guys. Those guys are absolute wizards in figuring out this cap. If Price not an issue, the cap, they can figure out. Who do you want on the open market? Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson is a guy that fits this offense. I mean, 
he makes the he makes the Kevin Durant to the Golden State Warriors complete type of move for the Chiefs. <laughs> he brings that type of tenacity. Watkins, of course, becoming a free agent. Yeah, here. Watkins is done in Kansas City. That's my hot take that might not have too much steam behind. I think pretty much everybody would agree to that. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that, but that's my assumption. But man, you bring Allen Robinson here, you add another receiver like that to this offense, and that's a three-headed monster, along with a year two of Clyde Edwards Elaire, maybe you know, yeah. the addition of some other people. But, I mean, man, you put Allen Robinson on this offense, you ain't got to double-team all three of them. So somebody's going to be open, and he's a guy that is uh, – he's a stud, and he would make this team that much better. If the Chiefs go the free agency route, Juju Smith-Schuster is mm. also available. Chris Godwin, I think he stays with Tampa now that they've won. Yeah. And then, to me, another name to watch at the receiver position, Corey Davis. I like Corey Davis quite a bit out of Tennessee and him in that role, that number three option role through the air might fit really well in Kansas City. My pick is Patrick Peterson, right? How many times have the Chiefs flirted with this guy? They could use another cornerback. He has a great relationship with Tyron Matthew. We know that. It'll be expensive. They'll have to figure out how to to maybe manage that. But the Chiefs have shown interest in Peterson. We think Peterson has had conversations with Matthew and showed interest in the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs could get their great white Buffalo and address to to us a position of need. So those are our picks for one to keep, one to pursue as we enter the 2021 offseason. Eager to watch this NFL draft. There's a lot of needs you can address in the draft, and Brett Veach is going to have to hit on those draft picks. We'll see what magic he comes up with. But coming up next, we promote the rest of your day, and we finally say goodbye here on the Run It Back Show. Pete Sweeney, Dusty Likens, 610 Sports Radio. The Run It Back Playoff Show with Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens on the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Back in on the Run It Back Show, Pete Sweeney. We don't have much time. Let the people know what they can be uh, prepared to listen to the rest of the day here on... uh, on this lovely station, 610 Sports Radio. Yep, entering the abyss of the offseason here on 610 Sports Radio. Festival in the morning momentarily. I'll join the guys around 7.15 a.m. to wrap the season. 3.30 p.m., Therese Paler, Yahoo Sports, joins the drive. A little offseason talk as we get going here on 610 Sports Radio. Well, Pete. Hey, man, it was fun. That's it. We're done. Thanks. Thanks, Chief. She didn't give us an extra day. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we missed out on that extra yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, it is what it is. But, you know, get back to normal hours of sleep, Pete. Thanks for the show run. It was yeah. fun. Uh, maybe we'll do it again next year if the Chiefs are. Same time next year. Yeah, 3.30. See you next year. Or it's always next year. Yeah, to everybody, that, uh, to everybody that supported, tweeted, listened, texted, called, whatever. We never took phone calls, but we appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Drive safe. Don't end up in a ditch. Just listen to your uh, your meteorologist. Make sure you listen to what they're telling you in the traffic reports. Just be smart. Be safe. Be easy. Have fun. Enjoy the guys from Fesco in the morning. It's Josh. It's Ryan. It's Bob. Not in that particular order, but you get it. Have fun, Kansas City. Enjoy your Tuesday.